Welcome. You're listening to Rise Coffee with Jesus. My name is Deanna, and I'll be filling up your cup today. So let's get started. Today, we're going to talk about the dangers of comparison. We live in a society where we are taught the art of comparison. As impressionable teens, we are taught to compare ourselves to movie stars and supermodels. And now, with the rise of social media, it's reached an all-time high as we compare and belittle our progress based on someone else's progress or season, based on the cover of someone else's book. We have no idea what's inside the pages. And while we're doing that, we learn to despise our own season, our own season, that we should be cherishing I love that saying by Robert Bolt that goes, enjoy the little things. For one day, you may look back and realize they were the big things. Back in the day, I used to do pageants. And in pageants, what do they do? But they compare. But you know what? It doesn't matter how pretty you are or how talented you are or how somebody else thinks you are. You know what the judges really eat up is how confident you are. And that is going to depend on your own evaluation of self. Are you playing down your own self-worth and comparing yourself to all the others? Are you intimidated by these other assertive, beautiful on the outside girls? You know, the funny thing is, as a pageant girl, you watch what you eat and not as it goes in. Like you're very careful and you work out a lot and go to the tanning booth. You buy expensive makeup and swimsuits you would normally never wear in public. And you learn tricks like hairspray on the booty to keep your swimsuit from riding up as you gracefully waltz across the stage wearing nothing but the dreaded two-piece and heels. I'm sorry, what? My favorite part was always the formal wear. And why not? I love to dress up and be fancy and feel like a princess. But you know, your value is not based on what someone else thinks of you or how good you look in a two-piece suit with heels. My goodness, put me in a pair of heels today after two babies and I pray I don't fall down. (laughs) But it doesn't stop there. We are told when we are young to emulate those we admire. I would cut out little images of humans from my magazines and and collage them all over my walls. People who later I would be like, "Um, why? Why did I think they were so great? They were mostly not good role models. Yeah, they may have had talent, but they did not steward their gifts or their lives wisely. Some sadly later died of drug overdoses or living in sin or getting divorced or fighting over money. I don't want to be like that. And while we're on the subject, another problem with Hollywood and the rest of the world is that so many people see celebrities as not real. Oh, it's okay to lust after them or or joke even in front of your spouse. Oh, there's my boyfriend. Oh, hey, there's my girlfriend. I've even heard spouses say, oh, there's your girlfriend. I'm sorry, no. These are real people. One of my favorite songs is a song by Scott Crepane. He's one of the writers of Paw Patrol theme song, by the way. Uh, and Scott Crepane wrote this song called Renee. It's about Renee Zellweger, someone who I actually have so much respect for as an actress. And he sees her go into a coffee shop and he wonders if she knows Jesus. Such a beautiful song. And I hope she does know Jesus. But guys, I met so many 
famous people and their fame matters not. They are just people like you and me. And Jesus says, what is it if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? What is it if you get your name in the Hall of Fame but not in the Book of Life? We have to know that there's more to life than that which meets the eye. We cannot look at someone else's gifts and discount our own. But it also doesn't mean we should not be able to appreciate their gifts. The Lord has given gifts to men, to people, and it's awesome. We have beautiful musical artists, famous architects, fabulous film directors, inspiring speakers and athletes. But there are also everyday heroes in our midst. The grocery store clerk who brightens someone's day with a smile. The nurse working a double shift to make sure there's food on the table. And then dad taking time out from work to play with his kids. A friend of mine's husband recently left a job where he had a beautiful view. But when asked why, he explained that the view is always going to be there. It's been there a hundred years and it might just be there another hundred. But his kids grew a little more each day. I remember when our now 18-year-old was just six years old and when my six-year-old was just a baby. And now we have a baby and I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, I cannot believe how fast it goes. So teach us, O oh Lord, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I treasure the moments, though not sometimes. Sometimes it's really heavy and you're in the trenches and you know we have to remember, because he is enough, I am enough. You are enough, my friend. We cannot get on social media and look at and compare someone else's season with our own. We must embrace our own season. Because when we compare and covet someone else's season, we despise our own. Let us not despise the season we are in, but let us embrace it. I'm reminded of Gehazi. He was the servant or assistant to Elisha. And because of lack of contentment and seeing the gift, the ability to see the gift in front of him. You know, just side note, the Bible actually says in Jeremiah 17, it says the wicked do not see good when it comes. They cannot see the good right in front of them. In Proverbs, it talks about having eyes to be able to see the good in front of you. And so what you choose to pay attention to, that's what you're going to see. So if you have your eyes open and you can see all the blessings in front of you, that is the way you're going to view life. But if you are pessimistic and having a bad day, woke up on the wrong side of bed, and you are just seeing rain all around you and the rain cloud is literally following you, that is what you're going to see. You're going to have eyes to see that. Well, that day, Gehazi was walking around with a rain cloud. The day that Naaman came to get his healing, well, Gehazi was just not having a good attitude and he desired other things. Being a servant of the man, Elisha, who was the servant of the man of God before him. Here he is. He is a servant and he doesn't see the gift and the calling right before him. Instead, he despises it. It wasn't enough. He despised what he had and he lost everything. And instead, he gained leprosy in its place. So there's another story I just love because it's so full the parable of the prodigal son. And the story goes like this. So there is a man. He has two sons, the younger of the two. He says, hey, pops, I'm tired of your rules, your guidelines. I'm ready to go out on my own. So give me my inheritance and I'll be on my way. Thank you very much. And so the father does it. He divides his inheritance between the two sons and the younger of the two goes on his way and squanders it all. He skipped the money management courses and wasted it all. And then he finds himself in a bad situation where he's broke and doesn't have any money left to feed himself, 
not even the slops he's feeding the pigs as a hired worker. And one day, he comes to his senses and remembers that even the hired workers back at home got to eat. And so he returns with with humility and what he was going to tell his father. And then the father, with a longing heart, sees him from afar off and has compassion on him and comes and embraces his son, who, instead of shame, he's greeted with celebration. And the older of the two comes in from working on the field, and he's like, what's all the hubbub about? Oh, you know, your wild brother came home. You've got to be kidding me. I've been working my butt off this whole time, being responsible. I never got to have a party. And the father says something. He says, all I have is yours. You have been with me this whole time. If you wanted to have a party, all you had to do was ask. But this brother of yours, he was dead and now he's alive. We must celebrate. There are so many takeaways. There are some people, even if they give it all away, my goodness, they still have a way of making more. You see, you can always make more money. This father did not have a scarcity mindset. And guess what? Your father in heaven does not have a scarcity mindset. He has all the resources in the entire universe. He simply spoke and it was. With his word, he formed the worlds. And he promises to perfect that which concerns us. He takes from what is his and declares it to us. So we need not to have a scarcity mindset. He's not running short on blessings. There's no scarcity. There is enough for everyone and enough left over. So that will take care of some of that comparison right there. You don't need to compare your success according to someone else's. They're in a different season than you. So... Other takeaways are, uh, look at the, the prodigal son. He goes out and he despises the blessing of living with his father. He despises the safety of living under his father's house. But then he realizes it and he comes back. Oh, thank goodness the prodigal can come back. And not only that, so then there's, there's the other son. Hello, son. Everything that I have, you it's, it's right here for you. It's right here. It's available. All you have to do is ask. After having my son, I knew right away I wanted another baby. But my husband was not so on board. He had his two kiddos, a girl and a boy. So I started praying. And I was joined in prayer by close friends and all grandmas, every single one. And I petitioned the Lord, grateful for the one I had, but still believing there must be another. God must have another baby for me. Years went by and I kept praying. And then one day, right after my birthday, it was like, wait a minute, what? Something changed in my husband's heart. And suddenly the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. No, but suddenly we were on the same page. And then we actually were trying for another and we got pregnant with our baby girl. Now, in the midst of our pregnancy, we friended another couple who were also pregnant, and they were pregnant with twins. These were their first babies. And I said to Mike in the kitchen, I said, gosh, I kind of wish we were having twins. And he agreed. But you know what? Oh, my goodness. See, the Lord's plan for our lives was not twins, at least not now. We only see things according to our own limited understanding. That couple needed those twins because after the birth of their babies, their mama had an emergency, which made it so she can't have 
more babies unless they adopt. Praise the Lord he gave her twins. And my goodness, with all the things the Lord has entrusted me, I couldn't imagine twins right now. (laughs) I'm so thankful for my babies and the season. I don't want to trade my season for someone else's. I cherish my season. And sometimes I don't want to do anything, nothing, but embrace and enjoy these blessings. In John 21, there's an account of Jesus and breakfast by the sea. And and Peter says about John, what about him? And Jesus says, what is it to you if he remain until I come again? So when you start to look around and say, Lord, what about them? What about them? You have been given gifts and responsibilities. They have been entrusted to you now in this season. Do not allow yourself to be like Esau who for a crust of bread despised his inheritance by falling for a get-rich-quick scheme. An inheritance gained in haste goes to waste. Your little by little adds up. It creates a foundation on which to build on. When we compare our season with someone else's, we don't take into account that we are not in the same place on our journey. We are not even comparing the same fruit. We are comparing our insides with their outside. But we need to be faithful where we are with what we have, because he who can be trusted with a little can be trusted with much. Are you familiar with that parable of the talents? In it, a guy gives five talents to one servant, two to the next, and the last guy he gives one. He gives to each according to his ability. So then he goes away and he returns and he's like, okay, guys, how'd you do? The first says, Hey, look, I took the five you give me, and I, I just made another five. The second doubled his also, but the third guy, oh dear, that third guy believed the lies of the enemy. He believed some things about the giver of talents that just wasn't true. And he went and he buried the talents. He then, after having buried that which was entrusted to him, lost it. It was given to someone else, someone else who can be trusted Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established or or your plans will be established. You have been given gifts. He is calling on you to use them. Our lives look different. They're supposed to. There is a beauty in being the who you are called to be. There are things that the Lord God has created you and only you to do. Don't be blind to the blessings in your own season. For the cover of someone else's book, I'm not going to trade my blessings that have been entrusted to me by the gift giver. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. These gifts come down from the Father, the creator of the heavenly lights, in whose character there is no change at all, James 1.17. When we compare, it's as if we forget all about the good things we already have. We despise the blessing. When David was king, and had everything anybody could ever want. Oh, but the eyes of a man are never satisfied, and they always want more, Proverbs 27, 20. So one day he goes out on his roof because for some reason this king had fallen into complacency, and instead of going out to war, he stayed at home. And in his boredom, instead of going to the refrigerator, he he goes out and he looks from his rooftop and he sees a woman bathing. Wait a minute, what? But dude, don't look at her. She's someone else's wife. Too late. Oh, I don't want to get into that story. But you know what? God says to him, he says, hey, I gave you all of this. And if that had been too little, all you had to do was ask. And I would have given you even more. 
Ephesians 3.20 says he is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask, think, or imagine according to his power that is working in us. James 4.2 says you have not because you ask not. There is no shortage in heaven. You do not need to compare your season to someone else's. You do not need to compare your worth to what you think someone else's is because Jesus said you were worth dying for and he chose to endure the shame for the joy that was set before him. That is you, his daily delight. So yes, we all have different gifts and measures of gifts and talents, but all the pieces are important and work together. Every part does its share. There is room for you. What is it to you? If if he stays alive until I come again, what is it to you what they're doing? You worry about you. No, 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 no. Not in the sense of you do you, boo. No, no, no. I don't even like that saying. No, you do the things that the Lord God has called you to do. There are things that only you can do. So don't you worry about what everyone else is doing, but what has been entrusted to you? What has he called you to do? Now rise. Take courage and do it. You've been listening to Rise Coffee with Jesus. Hey, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, pretty please leave me a five-star review. That way, more people can hear about it. Also, feel free to pass it on to a friend because everybody could use a little bit of encouragement in their day. Thank you again for listening. Now, rise, take courage, and do the thing. You were born for such a time as this.